I'm going to go ahead and talk over the uh, guys as they're receiving the offering, if y'all allow me to, to do that. I don't think anybody's going to stop me, but but uh, um, just a couple of things that I want to um, highlight for you. I know there's a lot of things going on. Start of a new year. Everybody's got New Year's resolutions. you got things that you're going to do and, and uh, going to go to that gym, going to lose that 10 pounds, going to do all that kind of stuff. We understand that, but... Uh, here at the church, there's a lot of things that re-engage after the start of the new year. And I want to remind you that tonight at midnight is our day of unceasing prayer for uh, the Austin area. And uh, we begin at midnight. I'm not sure who kicks it off at midnight. But uh, we, we start at midnight, and then there's 30-minute increments for those 24 hours. The church that prays before us hands us the baton. We pray for 24 hours. We will hand off the baton after our 24 hours. So this is your reminder. If you're not on the unceasing prayer initiative, you can get on that, but you can, that doesn't keep you from praying. So you can find your 30 minutes in the day and pray and, and do that. So we would encourage you to do that. Um, so the, the second uh, thing to say right quick is that you read it in my email that uh, uh, we, we've met before, but we're going back to Israel in October. And if anybody um, have some questions. Pam has uh, the final brochures on that, and we're going to meet just right over here uh, after the second service. So if you'd like to come, just find out about it. That's that's fine. We now have cost figures and that kind of stuff to kind of let you know about that. So that's right after the service. You can do that. So just wanted to highlight those two things. You can read the, the rest. Hey, I appreciate our kids' ministry so much. I appreciate Ashley and Sam and, and all they do because um, they've started this new kids' church at, at 8.30, and, uh, man, that's, that's taken on another whole thing. And, and uh, man, it was their vision, their prayer to make that happen. And so it's exciting. So like Brett said, if you have this desire to get up early and, and uh, your kids are rare, raring to go, it may be a great, great opportunity for you to come at that time to, to be a part of that. I know that you guys pray for our family, and... Uh, uh, so it's always important that we keep you abreast of what is going on in our lives and um, so that you can pray. It's very, very vital to us, and, um, um, and I know you care. And so uh, we appreciate those prayers. And so uh, we appreciate so much, uh, just as if you had not heard, that last Sunday evening, New Year's Eve, uh, Pam's mom, Regina, passed away totally unexpected. And uh, we had the funeral on Friday, and um, uh, beautiful thing. She was a lady that loved the Lord, in, impacted people tremendously, and uh, we're grieving. Uh, Pam and her two sisters especially are grieving. Her, her dad, Wade, married 60 years, man, 60 years, and uh, uh, just totally unexpected. She laid down to kind of rest because she wasn't feeling totally good, and within 15 minutes, she had just exited, transitioned out of that earth suit in the presence of the Lord fully, and uh, so we we got that call um, last Sunday night, New Year's Eve, and so we've been walking through that all week long, which has been pretty heavy, and um, uh, as most of you know, I'm going in for surgery on Tuesday, and uh, for you that aren't aware, I'm having uh, both my knees replaced. So the next time I come in front of you, I will have new knees. And uh, uh, I may just wear shorts just for the heck of it. Uh, so that that's happening on Tuesday. And 
just sometimes it happens. You know, my mom, 89 years old, and, uh, still alive and living in Waco. She's in the hospital. She went to the hospital last night, and so uh, kind of walking in a uh, we're walking in some heaviness right now, and and uh, so we we covet your prayers, and uh, it's it's not just us; it's our whole family and and uh, what we walk through, and and uh, we know you pray for us. I, you know. I loved I loved my mother-in-law. Not too many guys can get up and say that, but I loved her dearly. And uh, her and her and Wade have made impact. For, they this is the kind of people they are. They uh, the little church they were a part. They could have gone to large churches and done all kinds of things and this kind of stuff. But they stayed in this little church thirty years, doing kids church. And uh, they didn't do kids church because they had to. They did kids church because they got to, and they loved it. And um, uh, they were the kind of people that sometimes they'd be two on 30 because uh, other volunteers didn't show up or something like that. But that didn't bother them, man. They just went at it and uh, loving on kids, um, so many kids that were, they impacted through the year. Uh, I've, I've told you this before, but um, Carrie Job, the, the Christian singer who's um, incredibly anointed, uh, Carrie um, uh, went through that children's church, and uh, she... Uh, she will, she will say if she's ever doing a concert in the area, Wade and Regina would go, and she would always recognize Wade and Regina to the crowd, saying, "These are the people that helped me come to Jesus." And uh, you do not know. See, that's the deal. When we sit on the sidelines, man, we're missing the blessing. You do not know who's in our kids' church right now. Probably the kid whose nose is running, who's ADD off the wall. God's going to say, "That's the one I'm calling." Who's going to go love on him? And uh, so I, I'm, I'm, they taught me so much about ministry. They taught me it's not about the size. They taught me it was about the heart, and uh, and that's what's so important. And so, uh, and they were also I, I know I got to stop. I got to get onto the word. But uh, they also were the kind of church members for 30 years in that church. Did not complain. They could have. Did not complain. They celebrated what God was doing there. Lean times, good times, they were willing to do whatever it took to see that the gospel went forth in there. And so uh, we were very blessed and we were very uh, mournful right now. And, and uh, uh, what I've discovered, and, and, I, and I, I said this to myself and I've said it to others, you know, for me, because I do funerals all the time and I, I deal with families that are hurting all the time and I, I deal with them, you know, um, uh, you flip that switch in your pastor mark, and you you can do what I'm trained to do, and I do what I'm called to do. It's not that I do pull some kind of training thing. I mean, it's what I'm called to do, but it's another thing when it's somebody so close, and you know what I'm talking about. And and uh, you ask yourself that question: Do you really believe what you say you believe? And uh, that's that's kind of where we've been walking. I mean, just to be transparent, but we do. We lean into Jesus. You know, where else are we going to go? And uh, so we are very grateful. It's bittersweet, but uh, I would ask that you pray for Pam and her sisters as they grieve and for Wade and for the rest of us family. And also, if you think about it, pray for Helen as she's uh, in the hospital today. Uh, I really can't go to the hospital and I can't hug too many of you because if I catch something before Tuesday, uh, I cannot have it. Cannot happen. I mean, they've already given me stuff to put in my nose and everything so I don't catch stuff. So. It's kind of crazy, uh, but uh, I want to pray, and then we're going to open God's Word, uh, and uh, and so let's let's go before the Lord.
together. Father, we, we, we take a deep breath. And uh, Lord, it is a gift from you. Our hearts are beating. That is a gift from you. Our minds are working. Our, our, our bodies are working today, and that's a gift from you. And it means we, you have purpose. It means you want to use us to bring your kingdom here now, not just someday us exiting out of here, but you want to bring your kingdom through your people here. And, Lord, today we need uh, you. Lord, we don't need a, a clever word. We don't need some gimmick. We need the King of kings and Lord of lords. And we need to exalt you to your rightful place. And our world needs to see a difference in those that claim to be children of God. So, Lord, as we open your word today, may it be your word. May it be unpacked correctly. And may it, um, Lord, not just stir our hearts, but break our hearts so that we see you more clearly. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm reading out of Luke chapter 7. You can turn there if you're new to the Scriptures, which some of you are brand new to Jesus. Thank, thank the Lord for that. And you're not, you're not used to the Word of God. If you understand the Bible is broken into two parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Luke is uh, the third book in on the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke. And we're going to be in chapter 7, verse 36 through 50. And uh, allow me to read it all, and then we're going to unpack it just for a few moments today. And um, let, me, let me just say this about today's message. Um, uh, I'm going to be out for a few weeks, and I've said that, and, and you're going to be blessed because uh, Al's going to preach, Brett's going to preach, Kirk Kriegel's going to come preach. We've got Disciple now when we... So it's not like, it's not like um, you're going to miss me. It's, it, I mean, you're hearing meat and good meat. And but yet when I get one opportunity at the beginning of the year to share with you, uh I'm not going to speak for a month up here, but but I I always go back to what I I am particularly wrestling with, okay? I never get up here and just give you, oh, I just want to give you some word, some sermon. I think for you that have known me for over 20 plus years, you may have heard an illustration before, but I always start with a blank piece of paper in the in the word of God. And so I want to hear what the Spirit of God is saying. And when I have a one-off, it's usually with me wrestling. So please understand, I'm, I'm up here sharing with you. And if it hits somebody, good. But it's just God, God and me wrestling with some things. And so allow me to read Luke seven thirty-six through verse 50. Follow along. I encourage you to jot down notes. It's always helpful. It says this, When one of the Pharisees, and in, in a minute we're going to find out his name is Simon, When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and he reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life, literally she was a woman of the city, which means that she was perhaps a prostitute is what uh, most scholars believe. And uh, so a woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, 
and poured perfume on them. And when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. And Jesus answered him, or or he discerned this, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. A denarii was about a day's wages, okay? So one guy owed him, uh, you know, a year and a half's worth of wages plus. The other one, 50 denarii. It says neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? And Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. And then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. And the other guests began to say among themselves, who is this man who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. An incredible, I think in all of the 66 books of Scripture, this is the worship encounter that ought to speak to us the most. You see, in a Jewish home of that day, and they were probably in Capernaum. I love to go to Capernaum when we go to the Holy Land. It's it's a little village where Jesus did so much ministry. And this woman who was a woman of the city would have been known by many of them, probably by many men in that room even, about what her role was in that city. But when someone would come into your house as a guest, there was three things that would happen. Number one, you would greet them with a kiss, probably one of those Middle Eastern kiss on both cheeks, just kind of blessing. Then what you would do is that because of the dusty roads and the, and the leather sandals that were so thin, you would have a servant come and offer to take, remove their shoes and wash their feet for them so that they would be clean. The third thing that would take place is that they would have uh, an oil or a perfume to put on you just because you, would, you might smell from, from out your walking and this kind of stuff, just to refresh you. So when someone come into your house, these three things would always take place. Now, I don't want to say that Simon was not up on these kind of things, but, but obviously he missed it in that area. He invited Jesus to his home, which was very hospitable, but he did not take care of him as the guest he should have. And here comes this woman. It says that she is standing at his feet. Now, what that means is, is you may remember last week I talked to you about Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and, and knock, and whoever opens the door will, for, for him, he will come into them and sup with them. I talked about the three meals of the day, breakfast, dinner, and uh, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. The dinner was always the big one where you, you actually reclined at the tables. How cool is that? You reclined at the tables and you would spend a lot of time there. So here's Jesus who's the guest. And, and because he was a rabbi invited to this home in this open courtyard, it was open to anybody in the village that wanted to come. Now, we're not talking about thousands of people here. We're talking about just that small village. They would come to Simon's house. 
And as Jesus is laying there, this woman comes in there and she begins to weep at the feet of Jesus. And then as she's weeping, she does the unthinkable. She loosens her hair, which a Jewish woman would not have uh, have done. And she loosens her hair and she takes her long hair and begins to dry. She continues to weep on the feet of Jesus. And then what she does is she takes this alabaster jar that was, was around her neck and this would be her, probably her dowry that she would take into marriage someday if she ever, you know, a lady like that, you never know. But this was her life savings almost. And she took it and she broke it. And as she's kissing the feet of Jesus, she begins to anoint his feet with this incredible perfume that's there. And, and this is what she is doing. She's, it, it's, an, it's a scene that is happening right there in the home. And it says that Simon, it says that he says to himself, in other words, he does not verbalize it at all. He is, he is speaking this to himself. He's thinking it within his mind. And this is what he's thinking. If Jesus was a real prophet, he would know who this woman is. He didn't say it out loud. But Jesus says, Simon, I have an answer for you. In other words, here's Simon thinking he's not even a prophet and Jesus is reading his heart. And he says to Simon, he says, he says, this parable about these two men who owed, one owed great sums of money, the other one not so much, and this lender forgives them. And uh, Jesus asked Simon the question, who, who is more grateful? And Simon said, I guess the one whose greater debt was erased. And Jesus said, you've answered correctly. You have answered correctly that the one who is forgiven much loves much. But, you know, reality is this woman of the city and Simon had the same problem had the very same problem. They're both, their hearts were depraved. They were spiritually bankrupt. The difference was is that this woman's sin was overt and outward for everybody to see, whereas Simon's was just in his heart and his spirit that was there. But they both had the same problem. She was repentant. He wasn't willing to deal with his. And it's this woman who finds freedom in that moment. Now I want you to hear this because this is very important. She did not do this event with Jesus so that she could be forgiven. She did it because she was forgiven. Now that's very important. She didn't, she didn't come in there and say, oh man, if I just start weeping on his feet, if I start wiping him with my hair, if I pour this perfume on him, now maybe he'll forgive me. No. She did that because she was forgiven. You see, In our day, many of us come to church, we do religious things, we don't do certain things in hopes that Jesus will love us. Let me tell you, He loves you despite. He loves you. And and because of that love He has poured out for us, we automatically, in return, pour our love back to Him. That's what this lady is doing. And her, her life had such a blemish on it But yet she was willing to say, oh, God, because you're forgiven. Many scholars believe that Jesus went to the house of Simon after he had given the discourse that that talks about, come to me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Can you imagine if you were a woman of the streets, and here somebody is by the power of God saying, come to me and find rest. And man, I'm sure that she just became broken. And in this moment, she begins to weep and just pour this over Jesus. 
what I want to do is I want to give you just five thoughts on what true worship is. Five thoughts on what true worship is. Um, and, and the word worship actually means worthship. It means that he is worthy. But remember I told you at the beginning of this message, I am wrestling, and this is where the Spirit of God is wrestling with me. So let me share with you these five things about true worship. Number one is this. True worship is nothing without Jesus. True worship is nothing without Jesus. Listen, I don't care how good your worship team is. I don't, how good, I don't care how good the pastor is, if he has charisma. I don't care if it's the best programs in the world. I don't care if you've come and you're raising your hands and dancing around. If Jesus isn't present, it's worthless. It's nothing. And yet, I think we're doing that a lot today. I mean, I don't say this for guilt. I say it just for, for emphasis for us here is that I wonder how many of us today, we went before the Lord before we came here and said, Lord, I'm coming to meet with you. Please show your presence. I would venture to say very few of us. Why? It's because the enemy makes sure that your best fights happen on Sunday morning. Getting to church, getting the kids to church, getting everybody to church. You're not thinking about meeting with Jesus. You're thinking about so many other things. You've got to begin early. You've got to begin on Saturday night. You've got to begin preparing your heart. But if Christ is not the center of what we're doing, it is worthless. It is worthless. I, Carson Wentz, who is the quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles, he got hurt this year, uh, but... Uh, he is a solid Christ follower, solid follower of Jesus. And, and I, I've used this term before, but he's turned it into a brand. And, uh, you know, his, the brand for his fund is called Audience of One because he loves Jesus. And he wants to do everything for Audience of One. And, and, and see, that's what's got to happen when we come together. It's got to be to an Audience of One. It's not, you know, sometimes I'm just going to confess openly right here. I, I'm, I mean, I'm pretty transparent. We are guilty sometimes of preparing worship services in what you're going to think about it instead of what Jesus thinks about it. And that's wrong. I'm not, I'm not throwing stones at bread or anything. I'm throwing stones at me because I, I told him this week I, I'm even struggling with that. I'm not saying we're going to get in here and do Gregorian chants and bore you to death, but if that's what Christ wanted then we would do it. But true worship is nothing without Jesus. Second is this. True worship comes when we see how Jesus sees me. True worship comes when we see how Jesus sees me. Here's what I mean by that. That woman who would come to weep and love on Jesus Christ, Simon saw her past, Jesus saw her future. See, there's many, many that will not darken the door of a, a worship experience or, or some of you may be sitting out there today and your facade is so thick because you're thinking, there's no way God can accept me because of my past. There's no way. There's no way. I had an abortion or I, I, I did this. I did drugs. I, I, I did this. My life was this way and, and this is the way it was. And so I know that maybe someday when I die, God will take me to heaven, but I've got this past. I want you to know something. If you've come to Christ, that past is gone. 
He's looking at your future. He's looking at how He can use you. See, it's about His kingdom coming to earth. And that's what He wants to do through us. And that's the way this situation is, is if we can see, we don't want to see as Simon did. Simon saw this woman as the woman of the streets in her past. Jesus saw what she was going to become. True worship happens when we start seeing ourselves as Jesus sees us. Number three, true worship comes out of a broken and contrite heart. It's the result of a broken and contrite heart. we got to come to the conclusion we're not fixable on our own. We, we cannot fix it on our own. And this woman knew that. She, she knew that, that of all the things happening in her life, I don't know what woundings led her to do what she did. I do not know everything that was in her that made that happen in her life. But when Christ set her free, she all of a sudden came with a broken and contrite heart. She didn't come with some kind of arrogance. She came with a thought of, I have been set free and forgiven by my Savior. And it just broke her heart wide open to love him. You remember David, the reason he was called a man after God's own heart was not because he sinned with Bathsheba or he killed Goliath or he, uh, he did some things that were very bad, had Uriah murdered, all this kind of stuff. That, that is not a man after God's own heart. What made him a man after God's own heart, when he's quoted in Psalm 51, he said, A broken and contrite heart you will not despise, O Lord. Contrite means not fixable. And he came with that kind of openness before God and he he was broken before the Lord. When we truly see the forgiveness that was extended to us, we must become broken and know that he is near to the brokenhearted, as the scripture says. Our family's been living in that this week, that he's near to the brokenhearted. So true worship comes out of a broken and contrite heart. Number four, true worship has nothing to do with methods. True worship has nothing to do with methods. I love to sing songs. I love preaching. I love those things, but that does not guarantee worship. For this lady, she came in doing the most radical, unorthodox you could do to weep. And you know something? She didn't care what anybody else thought. She did not care. She came to meet with Jesus and she wept and she took her hair and wiped his feet and perfumed his, perfumed his feet. And she's doing that. And, and it's an incredible thing that she is doing. It is, it is not a method. You see, what we do, we would have, if, if today that experience had happened, what we would do is we would turn it in into an act of worship. Let's have our weeping method. Let's have our hair let down method. Let's have our perfume method. Because we like methods. I want you to know true worship with God doesn't, it's not determined by a method. I think there's some great worship songs. I think there's some great hymns. I think there's some great preaching that's taking place. I believe in a lot of prayers that are being lifted up. I think there's some great things happening, but I'm telling you, worship is not dependent on any method. It's dependent on a, on a heart before God. Last one. Uh, let, me, let me back up on that just a second about methods. I may as well say it um, because I, this is just conviction. I mean, have you ever walked out of a service and said, um, I don't know if the worship was very good today. Like it's dependent upon us. 
You know, it's not, it's not dependent upon us. Last, last thought. True worship is about giving, not receiving. True worship is about giving, not receiving. Let me tell you something. That lady going into that house did not expect to receive anything. She had already received. She had already received her forgiveness. Now her life is to give, to pour herself out upon Jesus. It's not about receiving. You see, how many of us come to worship thinking, well, I hope Mark says something that's applicable to me. I hope that a song kind of stirs me today. I hope we get out by noon. I hope that, you know, we, we come in with these receiving, 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 instead of coming in and saying, God, what can I give to you? What can I give to you? And I'm not talking about just our offering. I mean, God, what can I give to you? What can I give? Can I give my tears? Can I give my whatever, God? Because you have forgiven me. We miss true worship because we come empty-handed. I, 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 was, I was rereading even this morning about Abraham and Isaac. You remember the story out of, out of Abraham and Isaac's life? I, I, God gave Isaac to Abraham and Sarah late in their life. And the Lord comes to, to uh, Abraham and says, Abraham, I want you to take your son and I want you to go and I want you to sacrifice him to me. And... Uh, uh, I'm sure Abraham struggled with everything. You know, here you finally give me a son. Now you're going to take him away from me. And so he takes uh, takes Isaac and he puts the wood on him and uh, uh, to, to go up the mountain. And Isaac says, Dad, here's the here's the uh, wood and everything. But where's the sacrifice? And Abraham simply says this. He says, God will provide the lamb. God will provide the lamb. I want you to know something. Ultimately, God did provide the lamb in his son, Jesus Christ. And we come because he has given everything for us. I, I want to end with this. Um, whenever I read a story in the scriptures, and it's just like this, I, I, I started putting myself in the story, and I thought, okay, Lord, who am I in this story right now where I'm at? Okay, where, who am I in the story? I thought, first of all, am I Jesus? No. So, but my next one, God, am I Simon? Am, am I, I've, I've let you into my house, but it's been on my terms. And uh, I, I, it's about me. Is it is it about me, God, that I've been content in my religiosity and my good behavior? Is it about me, or is it, or am I this lady? Am am I grateful and I'm broken and with the forgiveness that you've given me, and I and I pour that out onto you in adoration? So, am I Jesus? Uh, no, I couldn't go there. Am I am I Simon? I thought, man, I'm battling with that. Am I Simon in who I am? Am I the lady? I mean, because I think I think um, times there's times of broken, there's times of true breakthrough in worship and loving Jesus. But then all of a sudden, as I prayed through this, the Spirit came back and prompted my spirit, and He said, "Mark, you're more like the crowd in the house. You're content to be a spectator to watch somebody else worship." You're more content to sit back and let somebody else do a gift of hospitality, even though it was kind of screwed up. 
I don't want you to be a spectator. That was convicting. I mean, there's part of me that would rather be Simon. At least I let Jesus into my house than to be a spectator who is just there watching. I'll end with this. It's a, it's a story I've, I've repeated to you probably many times over, but it speaks very appropriate this morning. There was a small town that uh, had an actor that was raised there. And uh, he was very popular in the town, and he had gone off to the big city and done well. And uh, he, came, he was coming back to this little small town, and so the town decided, we're going to bring everybody together, and we're going to go to the biggest house in town, and we're going to have a party, and he's going to be there. So the whole town is invited for the actor who comes back, and, and he comes to the house, and they're all there, and they're celebrating and glad-handing and, and you know, wanting to get photo ops and all that kind of stuff with him, and... And, pro- and then there was a couple of guys that probably had had a little too much to drink, and they said, hey, let's do a contest. And so they came up with this contest that they would get the actor, and he would quote the 23rd Psalm, and they would get the old pastor who happened to be there, who had gotten old in life, and, but was still the pastor of the town. And he said, it will get him to quote the 23rd Psalm. So they brought the actor up in front of everybody first, and he in his eloquent voice said, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in one. He maketh me to lie down in green pain. He goes through the whole 23rd Psalm, and when he's through, oh, everybody is clapping. They're clapping. Oh, that was so wonderful, so wonderful. And then they said, Preacher, it's your turn. The old preacher got up, voice cracking, and kind of looking out at everybody and kind of shut his eyes. And tears kind of formed in his eyes and he said, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He maketh me to lie down in quiet waters and uh, still waters. And he, he just went through the 23rd Psalm. And there was a silence. You could have heard a pen drop in the room. Even some people were emotional over what had just happened. And somebody eventually talking to somebody else asked the question, said, what made the difference? What made the difference? And the guy returned and said, the actor knew the psalm, but the pastor knew the shepherd. See, that's the difference. We can come in here and we can sing and we can dance and we can do all kinds of things which, which are okay but the Lord not even be a part of it. Begins with knowing the shepherd and what he's done for us. I want to pray.